Good morning to you. We will continue in our worship as we have this opportunity to study from God's Word. We will be focusing on worship, a specific part of worship, and that is the music in worship. Music in worship. And we're going to begin by asking, well, sometimes people will come into our assemblies and ask, well, where's the piano? Where are the drums? And where are the guitars? I'm accustomed to seeing that in different assemblies of churches across the land. We will focus on a response to this, and we'll actually just be looking at a few uh, simple principles. When I say principles, I mean just a few guidelines that leads us in the right direction. We'll focus on just a few principles that will help us to understand God's ideals for music in worship. I love that last song, Each Step I Take. Each Step I Take. And that includes the steps we take into worship. God guides us. We look to Him for guidance. And so let's notice together a few principles that can help us. We can see these, we can easily follow these, and we can easily share these uh, with other people. The first principle is the truth principle. The truth principle. We remember Jesus saying in John 4, 24, that we ought to worship according to the truth. And He defines what He means. In John 17, 17, as He is praying, the Lord says... Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word uh, is truth. We also know that Jesus promised the apostles that when he was gone, that the Father would send upon him the Holy Spirit, John 16, 13. And that Holy Spirit would guide them into all the truth. All the truth. Do words have meanings? We still believe that words have meaning. And so when he says all, that means every bit of it. Every bit of it. We are so grateful that we have every bit of what God wants us to know about all things pertaining to godliness. We have it all right here. All right here in our New Testaments. Okay? So there's the, the truth uh, principle. Now in the New Testament, there's about nine references to music in worship. We'll mention a few of those. But every time that we see music and worship in the New Testament, it has the word sing or sung or sang. For example, in Matthew 26 and verse 30, Jesus and His disciples, after they had finished the Passover meal, it says they went out and they sang a song, they sung a hymn, and then they went on to the Mount of Olives where Jesus would be praying. Okay? But notice that they're singing uh, there In Acts 16.25, we have uh, Paul and Silas in a prison cell, all locked up, uh, Acts 16.25, and about midnight we find them praying and singing, praying and singing. Romans, uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 9, there's a great prophecy that the Gentiles would serve the Lord and they would sing unto His name, Romans 15, verse 9, they would sing unto His name. In 1 Corinthians 14, 15, we are to pray with the understanding and pray with the Spirit. We are to sing with the Spirit also and sing 
uh, with the understanding. 1 Corinthians 14, 15. In Ephesians 5 and 19, speaking to yourselves, uh, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. In Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts unto the Lord. We we can multiply other passages like Hebrews 2.12, James 5.13, also talking about singing in the assembly. And so there is the truth principle. And when we get away from the truth, it becomes very, very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. Jesus says in Matthew 15 and verses 8 and 9, In vain do they worship me, teaching as their doctrines the commandments of men. We don't want to be worshiping in vain. In 2 John verse 9 we read, Whoever goes onward and abides not in the doctrine of Christ has not God. But he that abides in the doctrine has both the Father and the Son. 2 John uh, verse 9. We don't want to be in a situation where we do not have God in our lives. We want to abide in the, in the teaching of Christ. Well, Paul says in Galatians 1, 6-9 that whoever brings a different gospel, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. Do you want this for yourself? Do you want to be accursed? Do you want to be in a position where you don't have God? Do you want to be in a position where you are doing things vainly? Do you want that for your children? Do you want that for your grandchildren? You don't want that. And so we want to stick with the truth. We want to stay in in the doctrine of Christ. We don't want to go outside. Notice this from Proverbs 30 with me. I was just remembering this before uh, we got up here, but it's very appropriate. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse number 6. Notice the power of these words. Proverbs uh, chapter 30. And verse number uh, 6. Well start in verse 5. Proverbs 30 verse 5. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Do not add to His words. Lest He rebuke you and you be found a liar. We don't want to be in this situation. It's very, very dangerous to go outside of the teaching of Christ. It's interesting to me, it's kind of sad really, that human beings are prone to tamper with what God has set up. We are prone to tamper, to meddle, to intrude, to intrude. Suppose someone showed up at your house, knocked on the door, and they're from the government. And they say, we've got these two machines here, and they're infusers. And we want to set them in your house. It'll be good for you. Don't worry about what it is. It'll be good for you. And we're going to set these in your house. What will you say to them? You're going to say, well, appreciate you stopping by, but you can take your two machines and you can move on. You're not putting that in my house. Okay. We don't want them intruding on our property, whether it be our property or anything else of ours. What about God's territory? See, this worship is God's territory. territory. You know, back in the Old Testament, he, he would tell men like Joshua and Moses, take off the sandals from your feet for you're standing on holy ground. 
Well, worship to God is holy ground. And we must be careful not to tamper, to meddle, or to intrude, or to bring things in that God doesn't want uh, to be there. So first of all, there is the truth principle. Secondly, there's the authority principle. The authority principle. Authority to simple mean, simply means uh, the right to have the final say. That's what authority means. The right to have the final say. And this belongs to God and to God only. By virtue of reality, you know? By virtue of who God is and who we are. Romans uh, 9.21 says, God is the potter and we are the clay. He automatically, forever, has the right, the authority over us. Now, in the New Testament, when you speak of authority, it, often the phrase, in the name of the Lord, or in the name of Jesus, is you. Colossians 3, for example, in verse 17. This is, this is a great statement. And by the way, this is made right close to the context of worship. Colossians 3.16 speaks of singing to God. Well, Colossians 3.17 then says, And whatever you do, Colossians 3.17, Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. There it is, in, name, in the name of the Lord. That phrase always means by God's authority. Let us illustrate that. In the early times, Jesus would give his disciples the power to cast out demons. Okay, so notice two verses with me that help explain something here. In Matthew 10, verse 1, it simply says, Jesus gave them authority over demons. But in Mark 16, verse 17, it says that they went and cast out demons in his name. In his name. I believe that perfectly illustrates that to do things in the name of Jesus is to simply recognize his authority. To do things in the name of Jesus does not mean that we repeat the words in the name of Jesus. It's not a formula of words, but rather it's a recognition of the authority, the power of God. And so whatever we do, Colossians 3.17, whatever we do in word or deed, in teaching and in practice, we do by God's authority, by the, in the name of the Lord. I don't think it's an accident right there in Colossians 3.16 that the verse begins with these words. It begins by saying, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then Paul goes on to say, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts. I don't think that's an accident. I think the Lord wants to remind us that there's authority behind worship. Also look over to Ephesians 5. Uh, 19, that's a singing verse, but then back up to verse 17 where Paul says we need to first understand what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord is understandable. We can, we can grasp it. We can know what God's will is in regard to worship. It's not a puzzle. Okay? It, it's, not in some uns- it's not vague. It's not vague at all. Okay? Um, one of the doctors that my mom has seen recently. Uh, his name is Dr. Vague. Dr. Vague. And I thought, walking to his office, I said, what are we going to get here with a name like Vague? He actually was a very, very nice fellow. 
But the ideal of vagueness is not with God. God has completely revealed what he wants in worship. Okay? And we can understand what the will of the Lord is, and we can know that we should sing as we are making melody uh, in our hearts. Okay? So there is the authority principle. Now there's an Old Testament uh, illustration of how things go when we don't follow God's authority. This is Nadab and Abihu, Leviticus 10 and verse 1. And you recall, and they're under the old uh, Moses law, but they brought strange fire before the Lord to offer it, and this is something that he had not commanded, Leviticus 10 and verse 1. It is some, and they, they paid for that with their lives. They were, they were destroyed by God because of their lack um, of worship there. You see, it wasn't that they weren't uh, worshiping God. It, it wasn't that Nadab and Abihu were involved in idolatry. They weren't involved in idolatry. It wasn't that um, they were neglecting to worship God. It's, it's not that they didn't want to worship God. But they became careless. And then they went out on their own. And that's where men get in trouble. When we go out on our own. The God who is worthy of worship is also the God who guides us in worship. Now, Paul gives a warning there in Colossians um, 2 and verse 23. He calls it this. He calls it will worship. W-I-L-L. Will worship. And that means worship that man devises for himself. If you want a good summary of what happens in different assemblies across the land, that's it right there. Worship that man devises for himself. And again, that's very, very dangerous. You see, we read in Hebrews 11, verse 4, that Abel worshiped God by faith. That's from the Genesis 4 account. Abel worshiped God by faith. But Cain's worship was rejected. Abel did his by faith. Faith comes by the word of God. So Abel listened to God's word and gave God what he wanted in worship. And Cain did not. Cain went off on his own. Okay. And that's what Nadab and Abihu, they, they went off on their own. But we cannot do that. We need God to know how to worship. Jeremiah 10.23 says, The way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to be able to direct his own steps. Each step I take, each step I take, and that includes stepping in to worship. So there is the truth principle, and there's also uh, the authority principle, and then thirdly, there is the specific authority principle. Specific authority. For example, when God told Noah to build the ark, he told Noah to use gopher wood. Automatically, go, um, Noah had three choices ahead of him. When God said use gopher wood, Noah had uh, three choices ahead of him. He could use gopher wood, or he could choose to use some other wood like pine wood, or he could choose to use a combination of gopher and pine and something else. Okay. What did Noah do? Noah used gopher wood. Because God gave a specific uh, command there. Go for wood. Genesis 6 verse 22 says, Thus did Noah 
according to all that the Lord commanded him, so did he. That's where we want to be. We want to listen to the Lord, and we want to say, okay, I'm doing what he says uh, to do. So it is in music. In music, God says, as we saw before in these references, God says to sing, to sing. When God says to sing, we automatically have three choices ahead of us. We can sing, okay, or we can play an instrument, or we can do a combination of both, playing and singing. But what is it that the Lord wants us to do? He says over and over again, it's not that there weren't mechanical instruments of music around in Paul's day or in Jesus' day or in Peter's day. They were all around. But God chose to just have one kind of music, and that is singing. And that's what he would want us to do, it seems, uh, it seems to be. Now, when God told Noah to build the ark, he did not use general terms. He didn't say, take some wood and build the ark. No, he was specific. He said, use gopher wood. When God comes to us here today under the system of Jesus Christ, and says, uh, I want you to worship. He doesn't say, just go make music. He doesn't say, go make music. He says, to sing. So it meant for Noah that he was to use gopher wood and not a combination of pine or some other wood, and it means for us to sing and not a combination of singing or playing or playing uh, by itself. We have as much authority to use mechanical instruments of music in worship today as Noah had to use some other kind of wood in his day other than gopher wood. So we bring before you the idea of specific authority. And that's a great principle for us to uh, observe. And then there is the present day principle as well. The present day principle. In your study of the Bible, you understand that we are living under the law of Christ today. Galatians 6 verse 2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And 1 Corinthians 9, 21-22 also mentions living under the law of Christ. In your studies you understand that the old law of Moses had its purpose, but it has been taken away. Colossians 2, 14 says those very things, that the old law has been taken away, it's been nailed uh, to the cross. Galatians 5.4, you can add that verse there as well. Galatians 5.4, those who seek to be justified by that old law, they are cut off from Christ, are severed from Him, and they have fallen from grace. You understand uh, this. And so it's very important to stay in the present day. When we think about what would God require of us, we must stay in the time in which we are. Back in my basketball days, the guys would come up, and the greeting would be, what it is? What it is. And then they would then we would say, okay, what it is, what it shall be. But it wasn't a bad phrase because it's one thing it stuck in my mind, I'm able to use it today, but it also helps me to think about New Testament times. And God wants us to stay within our time frame. Within our time frame. What is it right now? What what does God require of me in this time period? In this time period. Some want to appeal to the future and tried to go into some of the scenes of heaven up above and, and, and find mechanical instruments of music there and say, well, if they've got it there, then let's have it here. 
For example, the appeal to um, Revelation 14, verse 2, says the harpers are harping upon their harps. Well, if there's to be instruments in heaven, then it will be because God willed it to be there. If there's to be instruments in heaven, it's because God willed it to be there. But we have no doubt what God wills to be right now in worship in regard to music. He has spelled it out for us. Now, I don't think there's going to be mechanical instruments in music in heaven. Heaven is going to be a spiritual place. We're not even going to carry this body that we're looking at to heaven, much less some material thing to heaven. In Revelation 14, 1 through 3, there's a comparison made. He says the sound that he was hearing was as harpers harping on their harps, or like harpers harping upon their harps. And we might say, well... Um, that, um, well, old cars, old cars, old cars backfire. So the, that backfire from that car um, was as uh, the blast of a, of a gunshot, the blast of a, of a shotgun. Well, when we say that, we're not saying that that muffler became a gun and shot something. Okay. We're simply saying it sounded like, it sounded like a gunshot. And so most likely that's what's happening there with John and what he is seeing and hearing uh, from the scenes of heaven. They were singing and there was praise and it sounded like harpers harping on their hearts. But nonetheless, there's the present day principle. Some will also appeal to the past, to the old law. But obviously we're not bringing things from the old law into the new law. There's all sorts of things like burning of incense and the sacrifice of animals that we don't bring into the new uh, time and new worship today. In Exodus 23:17, all the male Jews were required to attend three uh, festivals a year, go to Jerusalem three times a year, three times a year. Obviously, we're not doing that. And the reason we're not doing that is because the old law has been nailed to the, to the cross. Now, there are many lessons to be learned from the old law. There are many thoughts to be encouraged by when we think about the future of heaven and being with God in heaven. But as far as what I must do to please God today, I must stick with the New Testament. I must stick with the present day. The present day. We live on this side of the cross of Jesus. We live between... Uh, the Lord ascending up on high and Him coming back again one day to meet us in the clouds up above. We live in that time. We live in that time. And then finally, there is the silent principle. The silent uh, principle. Some will appeal and say, well, the Bible does not say not to use mechanical instruments of music. It doesn't say not to do it. And that's true. But you see, we're governed by what God has said, not by what God has not said. Okay. And let's remember that. We are governed by what God says, not by what God says not. Okay. There's the silent principle. We do not read in the Bible, for example, 
we don't read the statement, do not baptize in oil. We never read that. Do not baptize in oil. We never read the statement um, in the Bible, uh, do not sprinkle. Do not sprinkle water. We don't ever read that. We don't read the statement, do not baptize babies. But what do we do? We baptize in water penitent believers in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins because that's what the Bible actually does say. What the Bible does say. That's what we're governed by. We do not um, read in the Bible, for example, we don't read anywhere where it says do not um, use cake and ice cream on the Lord's table. No, we don't read that. We don't read that. But in just a little while, Brother Larry will lead us as we gather around the table and we will use unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine because that's what the Bible does say. That's what the Bible does say. And this is, you know, kind of give us a break. This is the common way of communication, isn't it? Many of you are enjoying the, the online uh, grocery shopping where you go and you choose your items and then you move them over to your cart and then when you've got all your items in your cart then you're ready to check out and then you can go just just pick it up um, in the parking lot. Okay. But just think if you had to also, when we do that, we don't name everything we don't want. We just select the items that we do want. We don't name off everything we do not want. Guys, if you think it takes your wives a long time to shop right now, just think how long it would take them to shop if they had to name off everything they didn't want. Now, don't think that hasn't already passed through their mind, because a lot of things they don't get passes through their mind several times. But it's our common way of communication, and that's how God has... God created us. God knows how we communicate. And God knows how to communicate uh, to us. Same way with driving up to a, a drive-thru. We don't name off everything we do not want. We name off what it is that we, we need at that time. And so there are these principles. And there are many more. There are many more. But there are at least these that guide us in the right direction when it comes to music and worship today. There's the truth principle, the authority principle, the specific authority of principle, the, the present day principle, and then finally here's the, the silent principle. Just wanted to review these this morning as we contemplate worship, music and worship, and be encouraged to sing to the Lord with all of our heart, make a melody in our hearts as we sing unto the Lord. Of course, we have nothing against cake and ice cream. Do we can? No. Nothing at all against cake and ice cream. But we would have a big problem with it being on the Lord's table because of what God has said. In the same way, in the same way, we do not have a problem with music, even instrumental music, even mechanical instrumental music that's good, wholesome, and clean. And many of us enjoy that from day to day and from time to time. But that's a, it's a different situation when it comes to our worship to the Lord.
And this morning, let us pause at this time, give consideration to the Lord's Word. And also understand that He knows our hearts, our minds, our habits. He knows where we're at before Him. It could be that you are ready to come home to Him even today. His arms are open wide, and hopefully we can also show you the love of Christ that is in our hearts. We so very much want everyone here, every, everyone listening uh, uh, to uh, this time today, uh, to be right with the Lord, to be able to walk with Him, to be able to enjoy the, the eternal joys of heaven one day. Will you please come right now as we stand together and as we sing?